So hey everybody, I'm here with Dub Pierce to preview the second half of my interview with Pat Cloud, which uh, for those of you hearing this right away, should uh, that'll be out in the next day or so. And many of you might recognize Dub's name from either Banjo Hangout or other places on the internet or, or real life maybe even. Uh, but he's a real talented banjo player, also a talented bass player. Dub, real quick, give us a rundown of your experience as a musician, such as notable groups or credentials or performances that you've been a part of yourself. Yeah, I I, uh, I started playing guitar and horns when I was in grammar school, and then that just kind of carried me through life. I I, um, I found out early on that uh, if I played football, I'd be done by the time I was 20, and if I played banjo, I could play it into my 60s and 70s, which is what's yeah. happening today. Um, but I um, I played in, you know, bands as a teenager, both bluegrass-type bands and pop bands. Uh, played every Friday and Saturday night at a local coffee house for, I don't know, half a dozen years or so. Got a little more involved in playing professionally in my college years. But, uh, you know, it was always kind of improvisational bluegrass music and improvisational jazz that that drew me. I, I, I like a lot of pop music, but I don't, it wears thin on me really quick. Anyway, yeah, so I uh, when I um, turned 24, my guitar playing roommate d- decided he wanted to go to the Guitar Institute of Technology in Ca- Southern California. So I said, yeah, I'll go with you. And I took $1,600 and moved to L.A. and got work as a bass player right away and was working in music stores and stuff. But that's when it really kind of clicked in that I realized I could make a living as a musician. So over the next, the course of the next 10 years, I um, toured with um, not like huge name acts, but I worked with um, a guy named Gary Puckett from Gary Puckett and the Union Gap. He had a bunch of sure. hit hits. His claim to fame, he always told me, was a, in 1969, he sold more records than the Beatles. So, <laughs> Oh, and that's true? It's true. <laughs> oh, I, know, I would never have guessed that, but that's really cool. So, but it was you know his stuff, and then kind of a, a um, nostalgia type uh, rundown of hits of the '60s type thing, and that we you know we played a lot of um, Vegas and Reno uh, things, and then we got uh, got asked to to be one of the opening acts for Joan Rivers, the comedian, and so we were her band and toured with her for about a year, and she's gr- just the greatest. I love that lady. Uh, I you know just the nicest lady I've ever met, and funny as you can be. Um, but then after that, I, I worked with a guy named John Schneider, who was the blonde guy in Dukes of Hazzard. Uh, I was his music director. He was trying to make a switch from country to pop music. Worked on stage with Johnny Cash one time. Played in a group called Brush Arbor, which was a kind of a contemporary bluegrass group that was with Capitol Records in the early, like in the John Denver days, they had a couple of hits. Um, but yeah, then um, my wife and I wanted to have a family, and I wanted to do something differently, so I got into the TV and film industry. But I've always played; I my music has been the constant in my life. So yeah, I, and in the later years, I got really interested in jazz and thicker music. Yeah, very cool. Well, uh, and as part of the backdrop of why we're having this bonus episode here, it's because listeners are going to hear a bit from you during the interview. So not only do I not want them to be uh, disoriented hearing this other mysterious voice that, <laughs> that keeps pop, popping up. Sorry. But uh, also kind of to, no, no, it was, it was a great help, great addition. But you also deserve a lot of credit for making the interview happen at all. So thanks for that. But um, th- you were able to, to do that because you're a personal friend of Pat's. And why don't you take it from there? Talk about how you know Pat 
And I feel like I even remember you saying that Pat was singularly someone who like drew you to the area. Like, yeah. were you trying to seek him out? Yep. Uh, I, I was playing music growing up in Southern Florida and, um, I had been playing bluegrass banjo for a while, but like most things that I get involved in, it's thing. I know this is sacrilegious to say this, but traditional bluegrass uh, banjo was starting to bore me. I, d- I wanted to do other things, and so I had heard of this guy on the West Coast named Pat Cloud who was playing bebop on the five string banjo, and I thought, oh man, I've got to go there. And so that was part of the move. Actually, that was a huge part of of the the thing that finally kicked me into the move to Los Angeles. And so as soon as I got here, I looked him up. He was living behind John Hickman's house, the banjo player, John Hickman, in an Airstream. And I called him up. I said, hey, you know, I, I want to learn how to play jazz. Can you, you know, give me a lesson? And he did. And the first lesson he gave me just was so overwhelming that I said, <laughs> I said, I can't do it. I'll never understand it like this guy does. Luckily, 30 years later, I sort of do. So it's like <laughs> I stuck with it long enough. But so you're ready for your second lesson? We're ready for lesson saying? number two. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, and then uh, through the years, Pat and I played together a few times, uh, along with a lot of the other Southern California acoustic string musicians. Um, and, you know, we have a, uh, I, it's not a close friendship because we don't see each other all the time, but it's one of those things that's a very fun relationship because when we talk, it's just wide open and lots of laughs. He is just the, one of the funnest hangs. Yeah, he's a hoot. Um, part of, you know, thanking you for making it happen is because, you know, Pat, in, in his own words, describing himself, he's kind of notorious for not really being a self-promoter. He doesn't do media. He's he's just not out there doing stuff like this. So, in fact, initially, he had uh, declined your idea for uh, getting us together while I was out west um, for the interview. So how did you convince him to, to change his mind? Uh, I, it was, I was completely taken aback when he said, no, I, I said, why, why would you not want to do this? <laughs> but he said, you know, he, 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 I think he, um, leans towards the conspiracy theorist side of him too much. And I'll make fun of him sometimes and say, Hey, is this going to be one of your tinfoil hat days? And he'll, he'll laugh at himself and say, Oh yeah, I got a closet full of them. But, um, <laughs> but he's, um, at that point in time, he didn't want to be on the internet for any reason whatsoever, but I didn't convince him. I I was just talking to him a couple of months later and he goes, Hey, by the way, in his very self-effacing way, he said, by the way, I'm an idiot. Of course I want to do that interview. I don't know why I wouldn't think that I wanted to do that interview. So please tell him, I'm tell Keith, I'm so sorry that I reacted like that and that I really want to do it. And if we can make it work out, I, I will. But that's Pat, you know, that's the way he, that's the way he operates. That's really cool. And and just to be clear, I'm totally cool with anyone saying no for any reason. We weren't pressuring him, but I'm really glad that through his own self-realization or for any words that you put in, I'm, I'm glad we were able to make that happen because it was really fun. Me too. And you also had a lot to do with the interview because you facilitated or arranged for the studio time, which I'm extremely grateful for. And the fact that we had such a, a great, relaxed environment to be in was definitely part of the reason that it's such a long interview and, you know, is now in two parts plus a bonus episode. <laughs> Tell us about your job. It's it's kind of a cool job for people to hear about and how you were able to to line that all up. I think I mentioned earlier that something about uh, wanting to get you know, to have a family and it kind of pushed me into looking for other jobs that I that I could do well 
in the, but still were in the entertainment business. And I kind of accidentally stumbled in with my brother-in-law's help. I stumbled into the television and film audio post-production business and for years worked on shows, but then almost I'm going on my 20th year at NBC universal now. And, um, I've been there in their, uh, promo production department. So we do all the media uh, for NBC Universal Worldwide. And it's right there on the universe for people who've been to Universal Studios in Los Angeles. It's right there on the back lot um, in a in a building uh, on the fourth floor. And it's just, you know, it's just a great job. I'm very thankful that they allowed us to do the recording there because all the gear was there. My good friend, Ron Gerard provided the mics and stuff. So it was, um, it was easy to make it, to, to have it come together with their help. Yeah, that that was really nice to to have that available for sure. Now, not only will people hear your voice as somewhat of a co-host, uh, you were able to you know capitalize on your on your rapport with Pat to ask some good questions, but they'll also hear your bass playing. And one of the coolest things from probably any episode that I've done is that a good portion of this upcoming part two ended up being a, a jam slash session slash demonstration of Pat's jazz exercises, which was a real treat. So yeah, thanks also for being prepared with the bass to to hop into that type of situation too. Glad to do it. It's uh, Pat's one of those caliber of musician that I actually had the bass sitting there ready to go, hoping that he would want to do something. <laughs> so I'm always happy to have to be able to play with a guy like that. Yeah, well, it added a lot, as uh, listeners will no doubt experience when they listen to that second part. I hope so. Uh, I hope I didn't you're also a good, too much. No, I, I, didn't, I didn't hear any, or I'll, uh, I can auto-tune them okay. if, if <laughs> good, I did. Good, good. Uh, you're also a good teacher, which leads me to point out that uh, anyone who is interested in a lot of the jazz concepts that they're going to hear Pat bring up, or that, you know, just interested in playing jazz in general— you have a really great YouTube channel for both banjo players and guitar players. Do you want to pitch that or talk about what types of videos you have up there? Sure. I'll just do just briefly because it's a, it's a very kind of a niche, uh, thing. I, I, I think my first posts on YouTube were probably 10 or 11 years ago and horrible videos. I, I was doing stuff like, you know, I, I won't even explain it, but the video's bad and the playing is bad and the ideas are bad. So it's the, they're still up there, <laughs> but but it's... Well, um, well, I take back everything I said then. Right. They're, they're, they're total no, crap. No, no, no. They got better. They got better. <laughs> oh, okay. So, okay good. Um, but uh, over the years, I just liked... Uh, I, I usually would be working on something myself and want to share that. So I would just make a video of it and throw it up on YouTube. Um, in, the, in the later years, uh, I also have done some bass videos and things like that, but it's everything from how to play old Joe Clark harmonized or to playing two, two five ones in 12 keys, that kind of stuff. It goes, it, it's a wide, you know, it's from giant steps to foggy mountain breakdown on the guitar. It, you know, it's like that, that kind of stuff. But lately my biggest video, this is, this amazes me that this happens, but my biggest video are in terms of views uh, it was just called bluegrass banjo on on the guitar, and so the way I play guitar is with the high E string tuned down to a D. So the top four strings t- in tone, the top four strings are uh, D G B D, and so yeah. that's five string banjo. So I just play five string banjo tunes on the guitar, and that I put that thing up, and it got I don't know sixty five thousand views in in no time. Um, no kidding. I, I, I have no idea why. I have no idea why, <laughs> but that one, I mean, then I've got other ones. I've got ones that I think are cool, like how to play 
uh, Giant Steps chord melody on the five string banjo has like 13 views over five years. <laughs> yeah, so, well, maybe we'll get you up to like 15 or 16. That would be awesome. After, that after would this be one. awesome. So the, the YouTube thing is, is uh, of course, my daughter connected it. I don't know if you want to talk about this, but the podcast is called Harmony and Improvisation. That was going to yeah, yeah. be my next question. Is that sort of similar yeah. topics? Yeah. Yeah, yeah keep, keep going with that. Tell us... Uh, my family, my family, my wife and my kids, who all kind of took music classes from me as they were going up through school, they think, I don't know if this is true, but they think I have a unique way of teaching music that helps them. They were all music majors. And so by the time they went to music school, they were able to just skate right through their theory classes because they already had it all, you know? And mm -hmm. um, so they've been bugging me for years to do something like this. And so my daughter, Molly Hazel, who is a five-string banjo player, and she's actually in a lot, a lot of the videos that are on the YouTube channel as well. She said, let's just do it. So I, I, all I do is she's the producer of it, and all I do is provide her the content, and then she slaps it all together and does stuff with it. Um, but it's cool. it's it's called Harmony and Improvisation. It's both a, a podcast, and it's on my YouTube channel as well. Again, it's super niche. It's like uh, it's it is definitely not you know those one off how to play killer bebop jazz on five string banjo. It's not that it's not that kind of lesson. It's like a very methodical slow almost a dirge of going through how music works. And the, my goal is for people who don't have teachers readily, in their, readily available in their area, but they want to learn about music, theory in particular, but how harmony works, improvisation. The goal of the podcast is to have people be able to hear something and have it explained what that is. A major scale, for instance, everybody knows what a major scale sounds like, but does everybody know what a a fully altered dominant chord sounds like. It explains yeah. it and and tunes your ears at the same time. So that's but the again, idea. it's more of a course yes. than a self-contained lesson or so, something like that, right? It's like a cool. it's a bazillion self-contained lessons that are actually part of one bigger yes stream of thought. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Well, great. I think that's mostly what I have, unless there's any other like funny Pat Cloud stories that we need to know about or anything else that that you think people should know? I The only thing that I would say is that I'm really attracted to people who push the envelope, who break through barriers. And even before Bela Fleck, Pat Cloud was the five-string banjo player that made me realize that that instrument can be used for to do anything. You could, I mean, I guess John McEwen in a way, because he uh, Opus 36 on the Uncle Charlie record was a classical tune. That actually helped me do that as well. But when I heard Pat play, I went, good grief. This guy's a blistering bluegrass player, but he also is a traditional bebop jazz player. And, um, and that when he burst through that envelope, burst through that barrier, it really, it, it opened up a world of music to me that I didn't, think I was ever going to be able to use the five string banjo to play. Yeah, that's so cool. Not much more inspiring than witnessing something like that. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks a lot for your time, Dub. And of course, thank you again for the introduction and, and the hospitality from, from back when I was out in California and making all this happen. No, I I just really appreciate you entertaining, getting Pat's story told, and uh, also for the the podcast you do, it's tremendous. I listen to every single one of them, and they're just so much fun. I I, I hope that the word continues to spread. Well, thank you. It's it's a lot of fun for me too. So I appreciate the the kind words. All right, take care, Dub. You too. <laughs>